Welcome back to Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's episode is with my new friend. I feel like we are kindred spirits in many ways. Ben Patrick, also known as Knees Over Toes Guy. He is a tremendous human being. I truly mean that. It is rare to come across people as authentic, kind. Feels like, I don't know, he's almost like saintly in a strange, weird way. He is very excited to be of support to those around him. I got a message from him after we spent the afternoon recording and working out and everything. And uh, one of the things he mentioned in the message was that he considers his friendships to be his wealth, which I think is a really meaningful concept, idea, way to live your life. So Ben Patrick, very endearing character. And this conversation, we get into some of the theory and the background behind the concept of knees over toes and how this got kind of washed away from fitness culture for a long time and some of the many holes that were in much of the research that would suggest that the knees drifting beyond the toes would be deleterious for the knee because it puts more stress in the knee but as we all know putting stress on a tissue is what causes that tissue to build back stronger the difference is the tissue prepared for the stress so if you are loading a bunch of weight you're doing a big heavy squat and you are dumping your knees forward in that it's too much stress too soon that's problematic so it's not that we only exclusively should be going knees over toes all the time. It's not that we only exclusively should be hinging our hips back and keeping the knees behind to put more weight into the hips. It really, it's they're, they're different tools. And so I think that Ben has been just a, an immensely valuable figure in the world of, of health, wellness, fitness, obviously, but also longevity you know, for our parents and ourselves and elderly. So I am immensely excited to share this with you guys. Um, also, if you want to see me get absolutely destroyed destroyed with one of Ben's workouts. We recorded a YouTube video that is up today. So you can go check that out at Align Podcast. And I was like at a breaking point. It was interesting. I'm glad that we got to capture it. It showed some some kinks in my armor and point where literally my legs, I didn't have function of my legs. And it's very special. So we caught that on the YouTube video. If you want to see me get absolutely clobbered and also get some education on exactly how to go through the knees over toes workout and also get some backstory with his son, Onyx, and Alyssa, and that's over at YouTube at Align Podcast. And then also jump over to the Instagram page. We both are releasing a real breaking down the workout. So check it out. That's it. That's all. I hope you guys absolutely devour this conversation. I know that you will. And thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing wherever you're listening to this. And here we go. Let's get to it with the man, the myth, the legend. He's over toes guy, Ben Patrick. Pow. Ben Patrick. Thank you so much for making time to do this. Thank you so much. Thanks for going through my workout with me. The thing that stands out to me about you is you have what seems to be this immense care. Onyx is in the room right now. My in baby's in the hear, room. Hear if you hear your anything. child in the background. <laughs> so people are lucky enough to have that grace their ears. You seem to have this really authentic care and appreciation for the people around you and a, a deep, sincere inclination to want to be supportive and be helpful. I appreciate that. I'm a lucky guy. Got an amazing wife and baby. And I going through all the knee stuff I went through, didn't have a lot of interest from the opposite sex, didn't have a lot of great times in high school. You know what I mean? So I didn't think I'd have much of a career and family and stuff like that. Why not be grateful as heck for it, you know? Mm. So where was your mind at during that time frame? Because you've recently become 
you're like a celebrity of sorts as of like the last three months. Basically, yeah. Like pe- <laughs> we go out to eat and people come up and they're like, you saved my knees. I can squat again. You've been doing this for much longer than three months, but suddenly knees over toes is that's kind of what, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's what social media can do. You know, social media, uh, bad news or good news can travel fast, you know? So in my case, I have good news to share, helpful things to share. It's been able to travel fast. I wasn't expecting this. I was relentlessly trying to help people. And so that has done well on social media. And I don't mean to make this be like, tell me the dark times. You can, ben you can tell me anything. You can ask me anything. But in that, those time frames where you were in your, in your book, one of the things you mentioned in there is that there'd be some mornings where you'd wake up and question whether this is a, a crawl to the bathroom kind of morning. Where was your mindset at that time frame? Man, I don't know exactly why I didn't give up, but you know, no college scholarships out of high school, no recruitment at all, painting walls. Somehow, I guess, I guess somehow just deep down thinking maybe there's a solution out there. You know what I mean? So there's that bit of hope and you just wake up and you keep, and so I was studying and she knows cause she's been with me the whole time. And we'd go, what we'd meet early in the morning at the gym and I'd be experimenting on my knees. And then, and then again at night, experimenting on my knees. So clearly I still had hope, you know what I mean? I had hope even though I wasn't finding anything that was working. And then who knows when I would have given up, but somehow, boom, I found hope with this concept of getting better intentionally at knees over toes, which I was always told not to do. And then within a couple weeks, I've been pretty enthusiastic ever since because I knew like there's something that can be done here. So I think that was it. And before we start recording, we are talking about how I think it's easy to buy the idea that always playing things safe yes. will ultimately lead to more safety. And in yep. fact, an excessive amount of immediate safety the or the concept or idea or illusion of safety can actually lead to vulnerability and a lack of adaptability. And this yes. is, you could take this metaphorically if you want, but also from the lens of like not allowing the knees to drift past the toes yeah. because you don't want to put stress in the knees yeah. and take away from that leverage from the hips. Like all the energy should go into the hips. Yeah. The knees aren't capable of any of this stuff. Protect in, the knees. Until you land from a jump and blow out your knee. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it's true. Even elderly going down the stairs. It's no joke. One of the leading causes of death in elderly is walking down the stairs. Walking down the stairs is knees over toes. Jumping is knees over toes, landing is knees over toes. So it, since I had been through so much suffering in years of avoiding knees over toes, once I saw that clue from Charles Poliquin, who's trained, I think it was like 286 Olympic medalists. Yep. So he was a, a craftsman. Once I saw that clue, I just knew instantly that was true. Now, since that point to now, well, what was the first thing we did? We got on the sled and we started very slow. And that's actually probably the safest kind of resistance training an older person can do is to push and pull a sled because you're not, it's not jumping them under a bar. There's no eccentric load. You know, you're, even if there's a thousand pounds on the sled, it just wouldn't move. So going from realizing that knees over toes is where we get into trouble and then realizing, okay, I need ability in that position. So that's my keyword is ability. Use the word adaptability. We're on the same wavelength, you know, and you probably use a lot of other good words to describe it. But quote unquote, playing it safe. It's really, at the end of the day, it's just gonna come down to how much ability do we have for the task we're trying to do? And then can we safely improve ability? And it turns out, yes, we can actually really safely improve ability. And I don't know about you, but I haven't seen anything that I would look at the human body and go, well, no, you don't want ability in the ankles. Oh no, you don't want ability in the foot. You don't want ability. No, you want to, you want ability everywhere. Yeah. And what, so uh, what I really appreciate about your work is it, it highlights all the, the, the 
subtle nooks and crannies of the body as desserts yeah both of us yeah and and and, and i think that that's by digging into those aspects we find like an analogy that i've used before is is work on the parts that people don't see and yeah. then from there you know you become it's you become undeniable wow in a sense that's cool and a lot of a big part of that is by focusing on like the beach muscles yep yep Eyes, yep. anterior delts, forget yep. about the posterior delts. Yeah. Pecs, Pecs, abs. Yeah. You know, you're like, okay, cool. This is pretty sick. And it's what you see in the mirror. That's what you see in the mirror. But by focusing on that posterior chain and focusing on some of those subtle components of the body that you don't see every yeah. day when you look in the mirror, suddenly, maybe at first, you probably will notice a difference. But with time, that starts to aggregate. And it's like, huh, like there's something there. I can't explain it exactly. Yep. But that, that guy's got rockets in his knees, <laughs> yeah. you know, to use your language. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like if you want to have a if you want to have a six pack forever, start with your feet. Wait, what? Six yeah. pack forever, start with your feet? Well, right when we start pushing that sled, we're thinking about our feet. We're mobilizing, strengthening our feet. If you have weak feet, stiff ankles, and now you're getting pain through plantar fasciitis, Achilles, shins, knees, kind of gets a lot harder to exert your body. You see what I mean? Yeah. So if you can go exert your body and sprint and exert at 100% and do these things, the rest of your life, it's almost like if you have the gift of being able to exercise without pain, you can sculpt whatever the heck you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd love to go through your mindset starting from the ground up. Yep. And one of the components that you're paying attention to in the book is particularly digging into starting to, to re-engage, I think would be the thing for most people, the the big toe. Yeah. So flexor halysis longus. Yeah. Why? So if you imagine your body jumping off a building and having to land. First thing hitting the ground is is your big toe. Then it's coming foot, ankle, shin, Achilles, knee, all this stuff. So it's it's a long-term approach of, okay, how old are you? 34. All right, you're 34. If you want to still be having a high quality of life when you're 80, it actually is not that tedious to start training your big toe. <laughs> Apologies for my baby in the Onyx. background. Well, this is a special at, edition. This is a three-way three podcast. This is a special edition. Alyssa's in the room oh. as well, by the way, you're right. So the stronger and more mobile that big toe right there, it now gets a little easier not to have foot pain. And now without foot pain, it gets a little easier to train your ankle and gets a little easier to train your knee and it gets a little easier to train your hip and your back and your shoulders. So it's not really even like some mythical or far-fetched approach, but maybe it's like a long-term approach. And then going up, I mean, that, that whole sequence of events from the, the toe hinge, the toe being able to go back through its full range of motion yep. into ankle dorsiflexion, yep. into hip extension, yep. into then there's going to be this spiral pattern. You could call it the anterior oblique sling yep. if you want to be fancy and connecting the the uh, obliques from each side across the abs into anterior serratus, yep. up into the shoulder. That's contralateral motion. Yep. But if there is a hiccup in any aspect of that chain, then the whole entire chain is limited by its its weakest or most limited link. Exactly. And we're often in pain and struggling with things, not realizing that we're not just special. You know, we're not doomed to have that hip problem or that shoulder problem. And like so like you were saying, these things are connected down through. And we don't when you don't have any weak or tight links. So that means your body can move freely and strongly. So if you can move, you know, with freedom and strength on up the chain, you know. You can do all the things you want to do. You can run and squat and press. And But I went through life thinking like, oh, well, yeah, can't do this. Can't press overhead because of my shoulder. Can't do, you know what I mean? It's just like a system of can'ts. <laughs> yeah. But with all these weak links going down the chain. 
Yeah. And then going up, because we were talking before, before you did Rogan's podcast just a few days ago, one of the things he mentioned in the podcast is he's had a, a neck yeah. thing going on. I remember and, that, yeah. And that's one of the things that you mentioned to me is like, oh, you don't do any kind of body work or any kind of any type of that stuff because you want to maintain the purity of your of your method, which I think yeah. is which I think is cool. I think that's, that's great. And then, but within that, I think it is an interesting concept or idea that for me, I'm like, I'm open to all the things, you yep. know, and I think we have different mindsets in that way. And, that, and that's great. But I think there's also value in being able to, you moved yourself into pain, you could say, or dysfunction, or your environment moved you into it or however you say, but yeah. you moved yourself yeah. there. Yeah. Therefore, it would make sense that you could move yourself out of pain and dysfunction. Boom. Right. Is that, kind of, is that kind of your perspective on it? Yeah, because certain impacts occur. So if you kind of figure out the reverse of those impacts or what you were lacking or what was tight. So for him, you could theorize on it and figure it out. But if one side, it seemed like it was like one side of his neck or upper trap area, you know what I mean? So if your spine and shoulders and hips were really functioning well, you know, it doesn't mean something couldn't happen, but you'd be a lot less likely to have a neck issue. You know what I mean? Sure. So Every, There's still every, a ton. every step is a massage. Yeah. Every breath is a massage. Yeah. Massage is contraction and expansion of tissue through manual pressure. Every time you move, you're propagating manual pressure. So the difference of having a skilled therapist, you know, manual therapist, physical therapist, osteo, chiro, whatever, or you being skilled with understanding how to inhabit yourself. The difference is that person probably has a, a lens on what's happening better than you do inside your own jar. Sometimes you can't read the ingredients when you're inside the jar. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so that's the kind of push-pull interplay between seeking out outside help, outside eyes, or seeking out books, YouTube videos, yeah. silence, and you know, accessing your own internal awareness of what the heck's going on. But ultimately, it's manual pressure in the form of somebody else or you just moving yourself to start to to start to kind of find alignment exactly and that was that was a long description i apologize but <laughs> no it's really cool and i would advise someone to go get a practitioner to work on it so where i'm coming from it's more like a position of responsibility that okay if i'm this trainer and there's these various problems going on in the body i'm not gonna go well there's nothing i can do about that and go see this person it's more like I'm gonna work on it every way I can through our exercise to have our body aligned right and stuff. And then also go see a specialist on that issue. You see what I mean? Yeah. And oh if yeah. I do that, rather than saying, well, my workouts are gonna leave you all misaligned and that's your fault and you should go see some, you see what I mean? Yeah. So there's, rather than having that disconnect, it's like, if I'm thinking about every single movement and the quality of every movement, having no weak or tight links, then what I find is that's only gonna enhance what the chiropractor or massage therapist can get on the client. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool that, you, that you're that you pursuing this like purist approach with it. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not even, I'm not mad at it. That, that way in my body, I'm not getting any advantages. Yeah. You can see like the attention to detail on form for me. So much attention to detail. But a, a person needs to get to the point where they actually under, and that's what my whole intention with, and with like the, my book, you know, or anything that I'm from a physical lens, it's I care about educating myself and others. What are the foundational principles that are consistent across all mediums, all movement practices? Yeah. No matter where you're at in the world, you know, man, yeah. woman, age, you know, whatever thing, like that part doesn't change. And that's one of the things that I think is really beautiful about movement in comparison to say nutrition, because nutrition's this way more blurrier yeah. conversation. People become yeah. very religious about it and it's about yeah. their identity. There's 
consistent mechanical principles of like lever. It's like physics yep. within the body that yep. if you can tap into those fundamentals and understand them and be able to own them, then you can be a ballet dancer or a yogi or a weightlifter and be like, oh, I know what those those principles are. Yep. Is that? Love it. What are and those my principles? Most important, my most important, we were just talking about it when we left the gym. You and I went in there and we went on the sled and we went forward and we went backward. And when we left the gym, we saw a whole group of people and they were doing the sled. And probably because of you. <laughs> maybe. Well, no, they do a lot of sled stuff in one. <laughs> but they were only going forward. Yeah. Right. And now I don't know their whole program or whatever. And it's so it's not a criticism, but most of the world is going forward in some manner and it's not going backward as much as forward in training. And so just by taking that sled and going, how good can I get forward and how good can I get backward? And so you and I did it. We did 10 rounds, 10 meters each way. So 100 meters total each way. And we started slow and then we gradually ramped up. And but when I see people using a sled normally, it's kind of like done easily. It's not you know, it's just kind of like one piece of the pie and not backwards, usually just forwards. But we gradually turned that into a hundred percent exertion in each direction. What did that feel like? I was, I was collapsing. My legs were literally starting to, you know, were you lactic acid or whatever, you, whatever you would have yeah. called muscle exhaustion. Yeah. No, I was not. There was a, there was a strong point of complete fatigue and it was, it was, it definitely exposed a weak spot for me. Yeah. So if you think about pushing that sled forward and then going backward and you think about the human body. So every step we're what we're going through our feet. We're having, I mean, you're having to use almost everything in your lower body to go forward and backward, but you can exert really hard without that risk of like the impact of the weights hurting you. Cause only you are moving the sled. We move the sled forward. And even when we go backward, we move it backward. Whereas with the squat, we are stepping out of the rack and then we're saying, okay, we're going to be able to handle this weight on the way down. So I squat once a week but I sled six days a week. So in terms of getting to those, like this exact topic that you were going on of like, what are the common denominators? To me, the common denominators is going from the ground up. Like we just don't want to be weak from the ground up. There's no advantage to being weak from the ground up. We can always keep building upward, but there's no advantage to being, you know, to having strong shoulders, but weak hips or strong hips, but weak knees or strong knees, but weak ankles and feet. Right. Yeah. I think it can even go the other direction where you paint yourself into a corner of, I don't know, like your strength can become a limitation if it's not distributed correctly. Yeah. And and Pavel, I'm sure you've heard this before because you're into a lot of these folks, but, but like Pavel Satsulin has a quote, you can't shoot a cannon out of a canoe. And And, and Charles Poliquin used to say that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's in the same realm. And and that kind of goes for different areas, even in the sense of like, if you had super weak external rotators and super weak upper back, but you were just training the pec, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you wonder why you're not able to throw a fastball faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you said, can't shoot a cannon out of a canoe. So yeah, for me, building from the ground up, building to be just as strong on the deceleration side, like how I train the tibialis and stuff, this tedious tibialis or the split squat we were doing was not straight up and down. That was diagonal. Like we're purely training for deceleration when we're doing that split squat. So training from the ground up, having strong enough decelerators, almost like a bulletproofing reserve, having balance between sides, having no weaker tight links. You know, these are fundamentals anyone would want to have. So that's my goal. Your goal is beautiful. My goal is a system that someone could do regardless of their sport, not to let the system become the sport. The way we're doing the split squat was not about how much weight we could do. It's almost like, how can we use that weight to pull ourselves deeper into positions? get stronger but we're not going to sacrifice the form for more load on the bar sure 
So the whole from the sled to the essential exercise I do to the toolbox exercises, everything is like, how does this enhance regardless of what someone's sport is? So that's my goal is like a, a non-conflicting system that gives you more chance to jump higher or more chance to run with your grandkids or more chance to hit a new squat PR if that's what you're going for. Yeah. How did you stumble across the concept of emphasizing anterior tibialis? Variety of people, like you were saying, common denominators, right? Mm. So Charles Poliquin, my main early mentor on the knees over toes stuff, there was some examples of him training the tibialis with bodybuilders actually to help them potentiate their calf muscles. So he would pair the calf with tibialis. But then, yeah. And then my jump mentor, Kadur Ziani, you'd love this guy, French guy. He's 47 or 48, still dunking at 5'11". And he was arguably the highest jumper ever. You can see his videos on YouTube. And he trains his feet and ankles and tibialis and stuff so much. But in traditional college education, it's like if you want to jump higher, you power up the glutes and hamstrings because that's how you improve jumping in an eight-week study, right? Yep. A sports career is not an eight-week study. Just powering up your glute and hamstring and not training your tibialis, you're asking the universe for a knee injury. You're asking the universe for shin splints because that that would be more advantageous in an eight-week study. It's like hitting the nitrous, <laughs> like that, like the NOS boost on the car. Right. You're like, okay, we need results fast. We got to hit this. Exactly. We want, we want, you know, we have a bias towards this study. Right. But you have to be able to break and handle that as that's an athlete. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. And so if you always have a bulletproofing reserve, you can go out and apply that to jump higher. So I have plenty of fun ways I used to explain it to people, but probably my number one claim to fame is actually just how much I've changed my jumping because it's something I can show people that's like, here's where it was. You know, my coaches <laughs> thought I would never, you know, even grab the rim. And now I'm like throwing down all kinds of dunks in my thirties. But when people would ask me like, hey, do you have a program to like to jump higher and how much will, jumping will I gain? You know, and I'd be like, yeah, with my program, you'll gain like two inches of vertical per year. And they're like, oh, I think you had a typo. I think you said per year. You mean like two inches a week or a month, right? On vertical, because that's all the programs are selling gain six inches in six weeks. Really? So what about 52 inches in 52 weeks? Because no one can even jump that high period. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So people want that result, but you can actually create a long-term framework to get there, but no college studies on things like jumping have I found useful because they don't actually relate to the top jumpers in the world. They relate to 20, 18-year-old untrained males for eight weeks, none of whom achieved great results. It's only just testing on eight weeks. All the best in the world got there over a decade or more. What are those common denominators? So that's what led me to the tibialis. There are zero studies on strengthening the tibialis moment and discuss a nootropic supplement that has been absolutely knocking my socks off it is referred to as qualia mine premium cognitive support no joke this stuff makes a difference take seven vegetarian capsules see that we're in the back here the ingredients i i understand what they are they're all like real foods for the most part like i actually get the stuff and i don't know what it is but swear to bejesus taking this stuff it helps with my word recall it helps with memory and it's interesting because you keep taking it and it keeps working and it doesn't have a drawback like you don't have like a caffeine crash or something of the sort like i think it actually works to almost like fertilize the garden of your mind i don't know but it seems to actually work and the most ridiculous exciting thing is you can get 50 percent off of your first purchase plus i think they have a 10 percent on top of that so you can almost try the stuff i mean it's not free but 
it's a lot of percent off by using the code Aaron. So at checkout, type in A-A-R-O-N. They'll give you an additional 50% off your purchase. If you do not absolutely love this stuff, they have a full money back guarantee. I am very confident this will make a difference in your life and the way that you think and how clearly you think in memory, word recall, things of the sort. Yeah, it doesn't get your money back. No big deal. No questions asked. 50% off. Jump over to N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. That's Neurohacker and use code Aaron at checkout for an additional 50% off. Neurohacker.com, Aaron at checkout. I also want to take a moment and discuss a supplement that has been immensely valuable for my sleep. That is magnesium, particularly from Bio Optimizers. Their Mag Breakthrough product is fantastic. I've been taking it for over a year and it's phenomenal. It contains all seven different forms of magnesium. So it's a full spectrum magnesium supplement. The reason we need magnesium as a supplement is because it's largely deficient in modern day soil. So this stuff is phenomenal and get yourself a discount by going to magbreakthrough.com forward slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash align podcast. Get yourself a discount. And if you do not absolutely love this stuff, you don't notice a change. You don't sleep better. Your muscles don't repair better. You don't feel more at ease in your autonomic experience. Then get your money back. 100% money back. Guarantee. Try it. Got nothing to lose. Jump over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash align podcast. And something that also that's become very popular in the last, I don't know, few years or so maybe would be booty gains. Oh yeah. You know, and, and just really, I mean, I know a lot of girls that <laughs> yeah. literally like their workout program is the butt. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's it. Yeah. It's probably a corollary. <laughs> it's probably a corollary though. <laughs> And the girls I see sustaining that the longest have great lower backs and hamstrings too. Yep. So in the in the effort to get only a butt and not hamstrings and lower back, I actually see people struggling to get results. If yeah. And in, in your program, you don't really emphasize a lot of like glute specific work. I can break it down. Pushing the sled. Yep. Amazing for the glutes. Then our most essential leg exercise, the Astagrass split squat, lengthening the hip flexors. We probably all could have much more active glutes, but we probably all have stiffer hip flexors from a lifetime of sitting and then a lifetime of squats and stuff, but not lengthening them out. Why is that? I know I know that we talked about it before, but for the sake of this, what 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 would that reason be? That really tight front totally. hip flexors. And we'll have would, some cool visuals of it. Yeah. But you can even imagine that as your leg trails behind you, the stiffer the hip flexor, you actually can't even contract your glute muscle. You can't. You can only use one. You can only use one muscle to the degree that the other side allows it to move. Like if you're if you were trying to train your your tricep and your bicep was like so tight it couldn't even move, you wouldn't be able to train the opposite muscle. So it's the same thing with the glutes. So with the sled, you're getting a ton of volume on those glutes, getting circulation. And then with the split squat, you're opening up the antagonist muscles. And then every week we do things like back extensions where you're actually, you're going up and not necessarily thinking about overarching the back. The coaching cue when you go up is to squeeze the glute and rather than swinging on the back extension to go up and hold that position at the top and then to build that up one side at a time. So if you just take a set of back extensions and you go to the top, squeeze the glute, switch legs, squeeze the glute, go down on that leg, you can get a surprising glute workout. But again, with really minimal risk, super safe, tons of older people have rehabbed their backs by improving on back extension type stuff. You can even start assisted. So that's that's my game is regressive things where I can, like how hard did we do the sled, you know? 
but it's my favorite tool for training older people, but we took it to 100% tap out level. Such a gratifying feeling to, to yeah. expose yourself to that on occasion. Yeah, to, to use your body to the fullest, but yeah. without without pain. And, or any risk for injury. Exactly. So the sled is fundamentally the safest, and you can get good glutes with that. Then you start to open up the antagonist muscles to the glutes, and then start to actually target and be able to contract your glutes. And I think you get pretty good glutes. And then we, I do Romanian deadlift-type loaded stretching so that the hamstrings aren't tight and inhibiting. Yeah. So that's to me, that's just a simple formula. But someone could add that. You know, it's not... That's not an end-all be-all, yeah. but that would enhance whatever someone's trying to do. I find it interesting how the way a person moves oftentimes is indicative of the way a person lives their lives, thinks, perspectives on the world. Like a person that, you know, an Ida Rolf, she has a quote. She's the founder of Rolfing. Oh, wow. she, she has a quote that she said, the way a person walks through a room is a way that they walk through their life. I feel like that would probably resonate with, with, you know, the way that you think about things. And I think it's interesting with you that you, I have two questions that will probably be asked in, in two separate, separate times. But one is the way that you move in your body is you're actively seeking out one weaknesses two these small nooks and crannies, seemingly invisible parts. Three, you have found this affinity to going backwards way yeah. more than almost anyone. How does that relate to your personality? And why do you think where do you think that comes from? Well, first off, that's a killer freaking question because no one has related those things to me in terms of how it has to do with life. Yeah. So yeah, if we took that, okay, going forward acceleration, that's sexy. Going backward, like going back to where you started, backward? <laughs> but I've done more in the last 10 years. I, there's no way anyone's done more backward sled than I have. Yeah. But you're right. That's 100% how I live my life. I go do all the dirty work that no one's going to see that then when it comes time to dunk, my knee doesn't hurt and I have bounce because of all that backward work. So I'm ready to shine because of all the prep work I do because of all the like I really enjoy being in the trenches and doing the things that aren't flashy now that I know do 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 it's going to it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. It's going to pay off, even though it's not flashy right now. That's how I live. I mean, dude, I went the last year without a single cheat meal or any entertainment, no TV, movies, Netflix, sports games. I turned well, down all those. Entertainment's a relative term as well. Very. That's a whole subject in its own. Yeah. We're really just cutting out like all the things that you would think to do to shut your mind off. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I, what I relate as entertainment is something that I'm doing to shut my mind off. It's not getting me closer to my goals. Mm -hmm. There's a total difference. Is this increasing my knowledge and getting me closer to my goals? Or have I already watched every episode of Seinfeld and I just want to watch a few? Yeah. I'm sure that show will do just fine if I skip episodes this year. Yeah. Right. I've already watched every, but I could shut my mind off with that and have some pizza and I would feel good in that moment. But is that going to get me closer to my long-term goal? Yeah. So that's the that's the backward. I'm going backward so that I can go forward. <laughs> what would you say for yourself if you had to formulate some type of recipe to position your mind to be in that almost like, I don't know, like rapacious drive towards your goals? Yeah. That's something that I think many people, myself included sometimes, you know, they lack that drive of like, okay, where am I going exactly? I know. What am I passionate about? And how do I get to that point where me getting from here to there is more important than yeah. pizza? Yeah. I can give my recipe. It's not necessarily fair for everyone. For me, it's because of the shit I went through with my niece, right? So you saw from the moment we actually started getting into the workout, I started getting really passionate about it. Now I want you to imagine if you've had seven knee surgeries, 
and you just want to be able to play basketball with your kid, right? Just imagine that's you. But seven knee surgery. You want to play basketball with your kid. Now I'm sledding with you and you're actually feeling your muscles work. Right. And you're actually able to do it. Like and you're bread, actually bread, getting circulation. Like breadcrumbs. And you're actually having a breakthrough. And then you text me on the weekend that you actually got to go play basketball with your kid. So that's why I'm saying it's not necessarily fair because not everyone's gonna have as much of a disaster story as me. So, but I, I, so I can't say, oh yeah, it's so easy to be motivated. No, it's not so easy to be motivated. I happen to have this shitty story that I found out it's actually really simple to help people. No, it's not a cure-all, but there's real, you could experience from doing it, the simple concept of really mastering a sled gently. Someone could play basketball with their kid. Like you could have a functional life, you know? I was one of so many people who thought I wouldn't even have a functional life, you know? Yeah. So that's where my passion comes from is because tomorrow and the next day and the next day, I'm still gonna be pushing for that. And I have my friends, My this Sunday I get to hoop with my friends. A bunch of them thought they would never play basketball again and had knee surgeries and stuff. And we became great friends through that. And now they're able to play and they're able to have that joy. And they say that I, you know, changed their life or saved their life or whatever. So it's like, even for me, that's that's symbolic of what I'm doing every day. Yeah. So that's that's where the drive comes from. I wake up just like everyone else and I happen to still have, you know, I happen to still feel for that younger me. And I don't want other people to at least not have the knowledge. You know what I mean? So what about for folks that... I wonder what the the formula for coming to a point of when you're in pain, sometimes the whole world can seem dark. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I mean, su angry. Su suicide, that's a that's a that's a thing. Like there's there's yeah. lots of people ending their lives right now. Yeah. There might be statistically there's a high probability that there's at least a, a good handful of people that are listening to this that are probably reflecting on it. Sadly, that's true. So to, to for a person that's in that place where the world does seem very dark, how does a person come to a point where they are able to transform or alchemize the, that pain and darkness to, to actually come to a point that seems like you've arrived at and realizing that that pain actually, in fact, is and was their gift? Yeah. Number one for me is find a sled. You'll get, <laughs> you'll get your circulation going. I'm telling you, you'll get a high. Imagine having not had a, a good workout in years. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's legit. You'll get a high. You'll get circulation. You'll get, you get those good hormones from a good workout. Yeah. But when you've had so many knee problems and you can't get a good workout, you can't get those hormones going. But that's what I'm here sharing. I'm one person. I'm on a, a basketball team with Aaron and I play a totally different position and that's what makes us a great team. You see what I mean? So yeah. so as as unfortunate of an answer as you may have been to hear sled again, but I'm not mad at it. Right. Sled sled also I would take that as probably a metaphor even though you meant it literally. I'd be like, I mean, well, like what is your sled? I mean, and yeah. literally get a sled because you need to move, you need to exercise, exactly. you need to feel strong, healthy, yeah. supported, stable. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was very depressed. I was very depressed. So, mm -hmm. you know, how, did, how depressed? What did, what did that look like, feel like? I mean, you know, for me, painkiller addiction. Oh, wow. Icing my knees four times a day to get through the day wasn't fun. I remember telling my wife I thought I would never be happy. I literally thought I would never be happy. So we're all on some spectrum of happiness or not. And we go through different moments even in a given day. So my, you were saying darkness. Yeah, my, my general was not too good, you know? Where would that have gone? So that's why I'm passionate about the sled. But, you know, there's, there's, you probably have your own sled. Of, of answering that same question for someone, of helping them get out of that dark place. And I think for me, it was relentlessly seeking knowledge, you know? Like, it's not just that I found a sled, it's that I found that Charles Poliquin was using backwards sled to help people. You have an Olympian who's trained their whole life for an event, and now they have a knee injury months before the Olympic games, and Poliquin was the one who could get them back and able to compete and win a medal. You see what I mean? That, that changes that person's whole life. 
I'm sorry, if you train for your Olympics, the Olympics your whole life, and then you don't make it because of an injury months before, you know what I mean? So Poliquin was using that. Poliquin learned that from Louis Simmons. Louis Simmons was a powerlifting coach who became obsessed with using the sled. He learned that from Finnish powerlifters who were dragging trees backward in the forestry industry. So people are often asking me, oh, how do you know all that stuff? Like I just relentlessly seek knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that was that's probably the common denominator I could tell someone is whatever you're going through, someone probably has those tools you need for your own breakthrough. Yeah, you're and, not alone. Right, and you might have to just keep relentlessly seeking knowledge, meaning it was only a matter of time. So with that mindset of relentlessly seeking knowledge, even though I was depressed, it was only a matter of time before I was gonna find some answers. What was the, this might not be the right way to ask the question, but like the texture, flavor, sensation, experience of your subjective depression? Oh, man. I don't even know. It's like uh, it's like I grew up worshiping basketball with no plan B. So it's kind of like it was just kind of like a giant stop on the life I wanted to have, even if it just meant being able to play with my friends, be, you know, being able to coach my kid actively, stuff like that. So, yeah, for me, it was things were duller, lost that spark for life. You know what I mean? That, that's the best I can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy, man. And then going up back up through the change, I want to do like a full journey through. Yeah through the body. Yeah. How does this, some of the, the emphases, if that's how you say the plural form of emphasis would be focusing on reintegrating the big toe. And that's kind of an interesting thing as well. Of like a lot of what we've learned for a while, there was a concept that, you know, like flat feet, you know, that was like, the, that, that, that was like, you have like, you know, some type of disease or <laughs> yeah. something. You know, and so people instead would roll out and put all the pressure on the outside, like the pinky side of the foot into that lateral arch, Yeah. you know, and then you want to have your, like your knees kind of bowed out so you can, you know, yeah. get torque in the hips and create the, and then, then suddenly you're walking in this way that perhaps some people might have left the actual opportunity to really be able to engage that big toe into the ground. Yeah. That's, it's, it's such an interesting thing how certain concepts, they get spread around, they get popularized. And then it's almost like a, it's like a, a virus yeah. into the kinesiology of culture. Yeah. And it makes things more complicated. Yeah. So I kind of look at data through that lens. Is this giving me answers more simply or more complicated? And my personal strategy is like, if such and such is going to make things more complicated, it's probably going farther away from truth, you know? Totally. So I remember being prescribed, you know, for my knees, different shoe insoles and, you know, like all, all this stuff, which really all these, you know, Band-Aid things were distracting me from trying to gain ability in a natural way, you know? So I think that's why the, the sled is probably a good metaphor as well. It's just like move your body forward, move it backward, gradually add resistance to that forward and backward. Like, and are, you start to work shit out. Yeah. Are, are there any other like popular myths around the body that you that you notice in popular culture? I just see a lot of limiting motion. And it's, you said it, and so I'll let you kind of say what you said about the degradation, mm. decay, but basically from don't let your knees over your toes to only have a neutral spine to don't press overhead. There's plenty of things that we're just told don't, 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 don't. And if you actually look at the physiology of what's going on, the more don'ts you have to a natural human motion, you shut off circulation and strength there and even the synovial fluid that takes the nutrients to the joints so i would say rather than thinking don't think how can i safely build this you know yeah. but i see so i would say almost any don't i would say that's the the red flag spinal mechanics and and the don'ts of spinal mechanics i'm told don't on most of the stuff i do with the spine but sure. i believe in like if you thought about like what can you do with your spine right 
and yeah. you just stood there like what could you do with it okay there you go that's like <laughs> that's a pretty like that's that would do pretty well as a back program in my opinion versus saying don't 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 so i go on the back extension sideways yeah that thing's amazing for the quadratus lumborum i go on the back extension forwards so that i mean i round i extend I, you know what i mean i think that would be like whatever you can do with your spine yeah. What do you think about maintaining a, a, a global curve through the spine compared to like a local curve? So for example, that'd be like a person's in forward head posture and their cervical spine is like, like crook forward. And then they might, you know, have like these wild high amplitude curves yeah. that are, you know, going all over the place compared to someone that might be doing some complete total global flexion of the spine compared to a global extension or global side bending. So global being going through the whole spine and local being like just one specific place, like putting a kink in the spine. Yeah. We all kind of start out somewhere. Yeah. And where my system is right now, I'm trying to get the hips into a position for the spine to even have a chance and trying to have the, the spine strong, like trying to have strong muscles all along the spine, trying to have flexible and strong quadratus lumborum muscles, the muscles on either side trying to be able to have good reach overhead full range of motion overhead but then it would go more into a specialist further up so what you're talking about would be an example of why i think that you know someone trying to work on different things would then go to a specialist in different areas yeah i think what you do a really good job at is is maintaining integrity through these seemingly dangerous in quotations positions and that's that's the thing is a person getting into like kind of like the frc type world you know they they've that culture has a strong opinion about being excessively passively mobile you know where you're really flexible but you don't actually have any strength from yeah. those ranges of flexibility yeah and i think that that's something that you do a really good job at and that's something that you were you know harping on when we were in the the, the knees over toes lunge yeah you know, is you're not just releasing, allowing your ribs to flare open or allowing you to dump your spine, you know, your lumbar spine forward and bouncing out of that bottom position and resting there. It's highly active through that yeah. full range of motion. So yeah. through the whole entire range, you have integrity. You could bear weight. Yeah. Compared to just putting yourself in these like wily, strange, stretchy yeah. positions. That's, that's the, I think, the disconnect between like flexibility and actually you know, just maintaining integrity through flexibility really good for the body yeah wily you know instability that's i think when perhaps there's a conversation around like well maybe that's that position's kind of dangerous because to use frc language like you don't own the yeah. position i i think there's a ton of truth in that and i think it's like the more range of strength we have then our body in life and sport can go in different places and be protected. And I think even with the tissues and stuff, I think even with the tissues over time, pec tissue getting closer to the shoulder, hamstring tissue getting closer to that, like, you know, where it ties in up in the glutes, hip flexor tissue, groin tissue, like areas where we might be prone to like tweaks, you know, tweak, tweak, tweak. I think when over time as part of your program, when you're strength training through your range of motion. So I think that is causing effects that haven't been explored enough to actually lengthen areas, give, you know, there's, it's a harder thing to measure muscle length, but there was some work done on this in the hamstring. And like what it showed is four times less chance of hamstring injury of people who had greater hamstring length from being stronger through stretch. I mean, that's like, pretty wild so it's i think there's kind of an exponential protection effect 
if you're both strong and flexible in an area rather than only flexible in an area or only strong but not able to go through range of motion in an area yep. i think it's that that combination if you want uh protection we'll wrap this up with that's like the bruce lee quote i have it there's a chapter in my book oh, called exciting. rigidity tends to break or it's oh, wow. about, about play and the quote i should just pull it out of there but it's something along the lines of you know the bamboo trees don't break when wind comes like the supplest tree doesn't break yeah you know whereas when a stiff rigid super strong stable but it doesn't have the capacity to go through a full range of motion tree it's stable 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 snap yeah yeah, yeah i think you nailed it i think that's like the microcosm of you know current pro sports <laughs> stable stable snap because they're seeing injury rates just like skyrocketing over the last 20, 30 years. Oh. The more don'ts enter the equation, you know? So, it, and it doesn't mean it's not going to be a, a zero of injuries. That's the thing about team sports, that wild variability. But I've worked with so many of these guys and so many of them lack. It's the illusion is that, well, they're super strong. What you don't see is when you actually measure them on their strength in certain areas and you find out they're incredibly weak. So now they have one part of their body is capable of a ton of force and another part of their body is actually weaker than like an average person. And it's like, they're built to break. Do you see what I mean? They're, they're built to be strong and explode, but then break down. And actually, when you fill the gaps, when you make them able to be flexible in addition to strong, then they actually get even stronger and run even faster too, because now they're not having all the breakdowns. So once someone gets to a certain point, usually it's the breakdowns and the injuries that prevent them from getting even faster, even stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Amazing, man. We definitely are going to do this again. Yeah. yeah. Ma many more times. <laughs> many more times. Oh, man. We had a great time. Yeah. You're totally like, you know, waking up my mind. Super smart questions that no one's even asked me on podcast before. Cool. So, I, you know, I feel like, wow, I have a lot of thinking to do. We'll regroup for around. Yeah, two. we'll recollect. Exactly. Right. You're like, you got my mind going now. So, so I emphatically recommend people getting your program and your book and what i really like like i've told you i've read your book twice wow which it's a short read i mean you can literally read the whole thing yep. in in one setting I mean, if you have a short flight like you could get the whole thing absorb it and yep. then integrate it upon arrival which i think is really important i that think that, that i think that's really the um one of the primary keys to, to your success is the fact that you have been able to and even messaging you i think we were texting you're you're saying about I, I told you i got your program and your message was something along the lines of like get this one or great that you got that one because it's even simpler yeah and like that's your mantra it seems that's my role in the game that's your role in the game Both and that get is to the such truth a, the simpler it's it such an incredible lesson i appreciate that yeah. Where can people go to get the book, get um, the program, do all the things? I put them on Amazon just to make it quick and easy to get. I have Knee Ability Zero, which was essentially my my COVID work, <laughs> meaning gyms were shut down. Okay, now people can't go use the sleds at the gyms. How do you still rebuild from the ground up? So Zero is pretty cool that people have something they can go do. They can just open up the book and they can start. And then I have a second book called ATG for Life, which actually goes over the basics of how to use a sled and my concepts on using, on adding resistance and equipment. How do you, how would you add resistance and equipment? And then the only other, so it's, I made the two simplest books I could. And then my program is actually online is also as simple as I can make it because what I do is I put my own workouts up each week in real time. So like what I'm about to do this week, anyone can do online. And even I resort right to the app and look at it to see what I'm, you know, to remember exactly what I'm doing each day. Right. So it's like, you know, I have a gym in Florida. I coach my friends and family and my staff and myself, and I make that so anyone can see exactly what we're doing for cheap online with an app with feedback. 
So that's it. That's everything I have to offer. <laughs> Great. Uh, <clears throat> thank you so much. I thank appreciate you. this. People listening to this, if you want to see Ben, Patrick, and myself, and Alyssa. We had a great time. And, and Onyx in action at the gym. We're going to have a YouTube video for this. And we'll have a some Instagram content yeah. that'll go up. So all that stuff will go out. And thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank, thank you. you. You're amazing. I pulled up. This guy was resting in like a deep squat just beautifully. <laughs> He's taller than me. A, a supple leopard, as Kelly Sturette would call it. Strong, shredded. So he lives it. I think that's the most important thing. So you're crushing it. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Need yep. respect. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Over now. Hope you guys dug that conversation. If you did, you might also enjoy the YouTube video where you can see us training over at Onnit Gym here in Austin, Texas, and you see me absolutely get clobbered. Um, there was a point when we were pulling the sled backwards that literally my legs felt like they were gonna stop working and uh, we're still pushing through, agonizing face. Um, pretty embarrassing actually, uh, but uh, that's on the YouTube now. So you can jump over to the Align Podcast YouTube page. That'll be dropped today. And then also jump over to Instagram. We did a reel together as well, breaking some stuff down. So really excellent day per mentioned, as you can already tell throughout the conversation, I think that um, there's a lot of alignment between Ben and uh, the whole Align community. So really grateful to get to share this with y'all. Pour for leave comments on the YouTube page and send us a message, share this clip. You can tag me at Align Podcast on Instagram. You can tag Ben at Knees Over Toes Guy. And lastly, I think that his book is uh, a really, it's like a no brainer to grab his book. So his book is called Knee Ability Zero and also it pairs perfectly well with the Align Method. Um, both books, I think that they're like literally like a match made in heaven. Uh, knee Ability Zero is a quintessential guide for strengthening your lower body, particularly focusing on the knees and the ankles and the hips. I guess that's your lower body. And then the Align Method is more of a kind of an all-inclusive kind of holistic approach to fitness and wellness and lifestyle. So the combination, the two, the Align Method and Knees Over Zero, I think is, I think you're good essentially at that point. I mean, there's a handful of other ones that I think are great, but honest to golly, if you integrated those two concepts or those two books into your life, you're good. Alrighty, that is it. That is all. Thank you all for sharing. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for reviews on wherever you're listening to this, if you're, if you feel like it's worthy of your review and uh, appreciate y'all and I'll see you next week. Bye.